Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Tuesday edition, Hot Mike with Hunting Withrow across the Outkick Network. Withrow back with us tomorrow here on the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us today. Streaming on YouTube, live on Twitter, and uh, Outkick.com is also where you can find us and on this great radio partner. Coming up in 20 minutes, NFL discussion with John McClain. Right now, we kick off the hour talking all things college football at the very top with former Nittany Lion. Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg joins us. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, Jonathan. Appreciate you having me back on again, man. Yeah, man. How's the podcast going? Uh, it's going well. It's going really well. Uh, building. You know how that is. Yeah, man. But uh, we're excited about it. Yeah, and uh, uh, hopefully as well as the Penn State season so far. But I've been, over the last week or so, pondering like how things are shaking up at the top of college football. It's been crazy. It's been a blast of a season. Yeah, where 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 does Penn State stack up to you right now in the Big Ten? It seems wide open, is it? Yeah, I think I think I've covered this. This is the deepest team James Franklin's had up there. Uh, I think it's the most ready team to make the argument. With at the end of the day, Ohio State was the standard mm-hmm. for a really really long time. Um, Michigan now has done a great job of of disrupting that, and I give them a ton of credit, but. When you when you're looking at both of those teams and the way that Penn State's roster is built, it's it's the closest it's been to to that level. Um, again, from a depth standpoint, production standpoint. So, for me, it's not so much uh, a, a matter of looking at the paper and do they belong. They definitely belong there. Now it's about can you go out and continually do that against those teams, and can you go out and beat those guys and be competitive? And we've we've had flashes, um, we've had we've had periods of time, but the consistent competitiveness there has 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 been uh, void. So this year I think is a great opportunity for them to, to start stacking in the right direction. Uh, I thought they were going to capitalize on it after the big 10 championship in, uh, 16, but, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited. There's a lot to be excited about with this team. And, uh, I think it's, it's got a good combination of youth and experience and, you know, I think they're ready to compete. I think Michigan's more of a problem than Ohio state is right now, just looking at how they played, um, and, and the schedule works out pretty well as opposed to previous years where we have some, we have some gaps between those two games. And, you know, this bye week I think was big because they, I, I, if, if I'm a bet man, they definitely spent some time on Ohio state. It's just those three teams, right? Is that how you stack it? I mean, that's really how I stack it. I okay. think that there's, there's a gap right now, you know, it, I got a lot of respect for for Fickle out of Wisconsin. I think that's a program that can do it. But, I mean, realistically speaking, the Big Ten's been East heavy, and it's yeah. been those three teams. And to your point, Penn State's kind of been just the spoiler. Can they get one? Can they steal one? Can they catch a, can they catch a momentum wave here and there? Um, and I think this year it's different. So uh, hopefully it's a thing – it's a constant theme here heading heading towards the next, you know, four, five, six years. And and speaking of Michigan, so Michigan looks really, really good. Uh, you'll know better than me, like how how much better do they look than a year ago? And the schedule to me, I, I don't know how to figure them out yet. I, I know they're really good. I yeah. 
if I'm debating on who's the top team in the country, like I'm, I'm looking at who they've played. And while I know they're, they're in the conversation, I'm not putting them there yet, but I know yeah. they can be, are, are, are they that much better than a year ago? Well, I think the biggest thing is JJ's comfortable. And when you're watching JJ play, he's just so efficient. It, it, he had a, he had a couple turnovers um, uh, uh, last week uh, and the week before, but or maybe the week before, but he's been super, super efficient. He's been putting them in positions to win games and they're still as physical as ever up front on both sides of the ball. And at the end of the day, I think when you look at the DNA of the teams that are the top teams in college football, they are extremely physical at the line of scrimmage on both sides of uh, both sides of the ball. Um, And, and they have a very deep talented roster and Michigan has both of those things. And to your point, they haven't played anybody yet, but um, they've dominated though. They, they have. And, and you can't take that away. There's always that double-edged sword. People are like, oh, you know, you haven't played anybody, but you beat everybody by 20 points. Or, you know, you're in some dogfights, and it's at the end of the day, man, you got to let the best guys shake it out. And that's why I've been such a big proponent of the expansion. And to your point, you're looking at 10, 15 teams here that can be really, really competitive if you go into that model. Um, I think it's going to be good for college football. What do you so so? How do you stack the top of college football right now? We've got a ways to go here. A lot of uncertainty. Who are your top teams? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they have it right right now. I think I think some of the guys are kind of hanging down in 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 I guess the the bottom half, you know, below five. I like the Washington team. I think the Pac-12 is really really interesting. I think Washington could beat anybody. Yeah, Michael Penix Jr. is an X factor, Um, but I think that's a really really good football team. Uh, Oregon's awesome, you know, and, and looking at even watching the Red River rivalry. I mean, Texas has looked phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm a big, I love Quinn Ewers. Uh, and I think that their defensive line is, is, I know, you know, you can say they show up, show up, whatever, but I think the roster is built to be able to compete. So in that game shook out, shook out the way it did, but it's just the dispersion of talent in college football now is, is such a thing with the transfer portal and unrestricted free agency, you know, you can go out and get guys. You can flip rosters. You can be competitive in a year. And um, it's just you, – you really got to get excited about an expanded playoff, in my opinion, because then you're going to really find out. Um, take the elements of of uh, running with confidence and, and getting on a hot streak and being able to play well throughout the end of the year. Man, and then, you know, also the, the first-round home games – yeah. yeah, man. Like the, the atmosphere <laughs> with it too. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I yeah. all of a sudden Christian Hackenberg, our guest, all of a sudden we've got Alabama and Georgia staring down Atlanta again. You know, it yep. wasn't that long ago we we're trying to search for the next quarterback at Alabama if Milrow wasn't the guy, right? But yeah. Uh Milrow's looked good the last two weeks. I'm not buying though that they're not going to lose again. Uh, are you are you buying that it's just Georgia and Bama? Um, I am not. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the same track as you. I think this, this Bama team's vulnerable. I don't think they're as dominant on the offensive line as they have been. Uh, they still have athletes, but it just, it just feels different, man. I mean, from my opinion, I don't know about you, but for yeah, me, it just, a lot of mistakes. just feels different watching them. Um, it, it, I hate to say, it, but it's, it's like the fall of an empire. Like it hit its peak and now it's kind of like this. And I, I, I don't think Saban's going to let that happen. I think they're still going to be competitive. I'm not, I'm not being extreme there, but it just feels different watching yeah, two that losses is the fall, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the fall. Yeah. But it, um, but man, it just, it, like I said, it just feels different watching them. It's not, it's not as crisp. It's not as detailed and it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a far cry from the, 
from the early 2000s, early 2000s, early 2010 Bama teams. Yeah, and even like the last five, six years. I mean, they've always had the quarterback, Bryce Young, for instance. They, they had these mistakes a year ago, but Bryce Young would bail them out. And they still lost two games, but those losses could have been way worse based on 14 penalties and drop passes and, you know, different things that were going on. Illegal substitutions, it, bizarre things that have been become a trend. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not New England bad. It's not the Patriots' fault. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, the, uh, meanwhile, Georgia, is it was this past weekend the, okay, this is the real team. Georgia showed, showed us the real Bulldogs group now, and that's what we have moving forward. Or am I giving Kentucky too much credit in that 51-13 beatdown? No, I don't think you are. I think Kentucky's a good team, and they've. I think Stoops has done a great job of developing identity down there, and they've been a problem. Um, and and the way they beat Florida, I thought that was pretty good. And I was excited to see what type of Georgia team would show up. There's been a lot of turnover, coordinators, the mm-hmm. defense, um, and the defense is built differently than it was the previous two years. I mean, I, I went out on 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 live mic saying that that was probably arguably some of the best defensive football ever played in college football the past few years with Georgia, and. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to do that year in, year out. You're just not. So being able to win different, um, being tested, I think is good. But I still think that this Georgia team and the way Kirby runs the ship uh, is 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 poised. And they're kind of on the beginning. They're on the upslope in terms of, of where I think that program can be for the next five to ten years. Christian Hackenberg with us on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow. You mentioned uh, Washington uh, right there at the top. You were like, I, I do too. Um, and we, yeah. we both agree they can beat anyone. Oregon can do the same thing. What do you make of the matchup this coming weekend and the outlook for the Pac-12 in the final year as we know it for that conference? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun, man. You know, I, I'm i excited about watching. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of points scored there, maybe. But, um, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, – but I think really those are those are the two. I'm looking at USC even too now, and you're. I think they have a lot of the same problems. It's the 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 brunt of the weight and the and the and the and the onus on winning the football game is solely on Caleb Williams' shoulders. The defense has not gotten any better. Um, they've been in dogfights. So I, as good as Caleb is, I don't think that he's going to be able to go out and beat an Oregon and a Washington and and even a UCLA, like, I don't think he's going to be able to go out and continue to do that. And I think this week's going to be a tough challenge for him against Notre Dame. So, um, you know, I, I just, I'm excited to see the shakeout. I think it's been good for the PAC 12. Obviously there's, there's a lot of changes going on there, but uh, they've, they've put together a good ball for the past few years. And both of these programs in Oregon and Washington are, are really fun to watch. How does your Heisman stack up right now? It's just so all over. The, again, it's so all over the place. I think it's so early. I, you haven't really had that like Heisman moment from anybody. There's been a lot of really good football played, especially at the quarterback position. I, I think Caleb, when you're looking at him, again, if you're talking about if you took Caleb Williams off that football team, I I, I don't know if they're even close to the position they're in. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, his numbers are great. His it, again, like my my beef with the whole Heisman thing is. We see snapshots, and I bring the question up because we'll see a snapshot this weekend in this Washington-Oregon matchup. Yeah. Uh, the, the voters, I don't think, watch a whole lot of college football unless it's in their region, and it's mainly the East Coast. Uh, yep. But this is the this is the showdown for Penix Jr. or for Bo Nix, for that matter, to put, right. on, put on a show and garner some attention because, I mean, the loser probably isn't featured as much in the, the, the national spotlight. The winner moves on for that. And that's how you gain the momentum in November and December. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's, 
the Heisman, I think it's funny. I, I I talked to Yogi Roth about it a lot when I was when I was on with him, and it's it's such a the voting's a little construed, and I think it's just tough to define it now. And it's become like driven by quarterback play and so on and so forth. And I think there's a lot of really good players out there. I think Shador's carrying that Colorado team; he's yes. having a hell of a year. So it's there's so many things that go into it, but I I truly do think that 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 award is won in that latter half of the season. Um, there's guys that can make a name for themselves and carry it on, but you got to have those, those moments. I think to your point with this Washington and Oregon game for both Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., it's a great platform. Um, and, and whomever comes out of that is, is going to have a chance to, to be in New York at the end. Yeah. Of the year. I mean, and then like last year it was supposed to be K- uh, CJ Stroud, right. It ends up being Caleb Williams. Hendon Hooker gets hurt towards the end of the year. And it was yep. almost by default that it went to Caleb Williams. It's not knocking him. He had a great season. Yep. But it almost went to him by default. I wonder, though, because of all the quarterback play and kind of the craziness where I think we're going to have several quote-unquote upsets that maybe not be not really upsets this season. If we see a skill position player, kind of like we saw with Devontae Smith the year that he won it, maybe a Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Brock Bowers is starting to get some attention in Georgia. I wonder if they can sneak through and then join the discussion. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr.'s... Uh, that kid is leaps. And, I mean, I can't even say enough about watching him. <laughs> it's uh, the NFL scouts are drooling over him. He's insane. Just the matchup, the the problems. You got teams clouding him. He's still catching the football, and he's he's going to be a real. As long as he stays healthy, he is going to be a really really good player. Almost, I, I'd I'd say a generational talent. And and then Bowers too. Ba- Bowers is being discussed as coming out of, of, of as a freshman. If he could, he couldn't. Uh, Swiss Army knife. Legit. He's he's the true definition of a tight end because he you can keep him on the field in multiple personnel. He does he he blocks really well. He's physical. He's fast. He's a mismatch and and he plays the position for what it is. He's not just out there catching footballs and as a big oversized receiver. They're using him in the run game. Like he's yeah. he's a, he's a problem. Christian Hackenberg, our guest on Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow across the Outkick Network. You mentioned USC could face a problem with Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off of the loss to Louisville. What do you like about the matchup for the Irish to give you some pause about USC? Or maybe it's just the Trojan defense. Yeah, I think it's the Trojan defense. And I also think, you know, it's it, that Notre Dame team was disappointing with that loss to Louisville. I thought after the Ohio State game, it was going to be a completely different, even though it didn't turn out the way that it wanted to, they did everything right to win that game up until the last minute and a half. Um and uh, I, I thought that Freeman was going to turn the corner with that. I thought they were going to possibly be able to go on a run and still stay in the national picture. But that I think the last the Louisville game kind of put them out of that conversation. But um, with that being said, I still have a ton of respect for Sam Hartman. I think he's doing a really, really good job. I, I look for that offense to get a little bit more explosive, kind of back to what what he can do and create. And uh, I, I could see this being a shootout, and I, I love Al Golden. Um, I think that defense will have something for Caleb that could possibly present some issues and, you know, turn the ball over here or there, short field here or there. I think it's going to come down to that in that type of game. Yeah, and so. another night game atmosphere. Again, it, it's, it's going to be fun, a fun college football weekend. A final thing on the way out, other than Penn State, and it won't have to be Big Ten here, who are you rooting for? What kind of craziness do you want to see? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've just been a fan of, and I've always said this, like the the blue bloods of college football are kind of starting to come back. I mean, Miami had oh. an epic fail, wow. but 
like Miami being back a little bit and then Texas now rolling. Like I just, I'm just rooting for that to be a standard moving forward. And again, it goes back to what I said about the transfer portal and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Those programs have such good funding. Like I think that they're, they're going to be in standing and be around and you're going to start seeing a much more competitive college football, like not just one through four or one through five, but one through 15. Um, And I think that's only going to be, that's only going to be good for the fans, good for the sport um and good for the overall product so it's really the blue buds just getting back and getting the right guys leading the ship and and being super competitive again christian hackenberg has been our guest always great you can follow him on social at c hackenberg one christian great to catch up with you man and uh let's do this again down the road soon appreciate you brother you You know you know i'm happy to jump on so appreciate Appreciate it man yeah absolutely christian hackenberg there up a great guy and um uh, great analysis too. If you get a chance to check him out on some of the podcasts he's been a part of and the ones moving forward, do do that. And here's hoping Penn State's a part of the conversation. I hope so. This is the year. This is the year to uh, climb the ladder, be more than just a, a spoiler, which I think that's a, a false narrative right now. And that's across a lot of college football. NFL discussion when we return. John McClain hops in the mix with us next here on Hot Mike. If you followed me throughout the years, you know I'm a South Dakota girl at heart who grew up in a ranching family. And I know that America First isn't just a political movement. It's a kitchen table issue, literally. You know, I always support American family-owned companies, ranchers, and farmers who put high-quality meat products on the tables of their fellow Americans. And my friends at Omaha Steaks are the experts. With Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift to give Dad than the experience of world-class Omaha Steaks? This package includes a mouth-watering assortment of Dad's grilling favorites like Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Top Sirloins, Juicy Boneless Pork Chops, Deli-Style Gourmet Jumbo Franks, and their legendary Omaha Steaks Burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code OUTKICK at checkout. Get mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99. And as a bonus, use promo code OUTKICK to get $10 off your order. Fast-paced show. Hot Mike with Under With Row rolls on across the OutKick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Pierre and Old Smoky Moonshine. Great catching up with Christian Hackenberg. Always great to talk NFL with John McClain. SportsRadio610.com is where you can find him. You can also find him right now. He's joining us as he watches his Astros. Uh, John, how are you? I'm doing great. Astros leading the Twins 4-0. Uh, after the top of the first, that's not bad. Things not just get bad at all. Things are always great for Mattress Mac and John McClain. That's what I've learned. Yeah, Mattress Mac getting so much attention. I know. He was he was supposed to throw out the first pitch in the first game, and uh, they pulled him at the last minute. <laughs> and uh, the Astros were infuriated that Mattress Firm, which is national company based here, has a relationship with MLB. So baseball powers B told the Astros to pull him. So he got benched. He immediately did a, a video that went viral. He was on the front of Bleacher Report, Yahoo. He was all over the Chronicle, and he got more publicity out of that. Because if you'd thrown out the first pitch, nobody would have seen it. No. Big Poppy would have been talking. And now uh, one of the biggest fans in Minnesota took out money for 45 billboards here about twins 
and mattresses, and so Magna is retaliated with billboards in Minneapolis, and they're having a big time over it. Isn't the mattress uh, is it mattress firm? The uh, the conspiracy is that's how you launder money because they're so close to one another in like the state of Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I just know they're <laughs> both based here, and one's national. Just, and poor little old mattress Mac at Gallery Furniture, just a little yeah. old local company trying to. Make ends meet. Yeah, not poor. Not poor, little old Mattress Mac. That's, With an that's owner that's going to win $46 million if the Astros win the World Series. Of course, last year he won $75 million. John McClain with us. John, the, uh, the NFL, as we go into week six, Baltimore coming off of a loss where they, they should have uh, taken care of business all the drop passes. Of course, we hit with the storylines uh, with New England and the storylines in Denver and what happened with the Jets this weekend. The Chiefs continue to win, but they don't look like the juggernaut right now. San Francisco is hands down the best team, the most complete team, and they have yet another complete victory on Sunday night. Boy, I hated to see the Cowboys just get dismantled and all their fans be so devastated (laughs) on Monday and all week. It's just terrible. But the fact is, 49ers are great. They are. They might have won the Super Bowl last year. They hadn't had all those injuries at quarterback. The best thing I saw wasn't the 49ers still lacking the Cowboys, which I did like, but it was Sean Payton getting it stuck where the sun don't shine by uh, Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets. I thought it was so classless for Payton to say what he said about Nathaniel Hackett, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. Now you're seeing one of the worst coaching jobs in the NFL, and ain't Hackett, it's Sean Payton. So you know what they say about karma, and uh, it wouldn't bother me in the least, Jonathan, if he didn't continue to get humiliated. Well, and the the way that played out, because Hackett at the time, whenever those comments were made or when they came out through USA Today, he admitted he was like, because it was, what, two weeks into the training camp or something. Maybe it was right as it was starting. And he admitted, he was like, man, I, I thought I would get a lot of this in week five. I'm surprised it happened now. But he handled it the right way. He had the backing of Aaron Rodgers and Sala and others. Uh, and then to have it reverse back on Peyton, John, from that moment to week five, and not to do it with Aaron Rodgers, but to do it with Zach Wilson, that's a storyline that goes from nightmare to dream for him. What I liked about it, Robert Sala made him an honorary captain on Friday. And then I've never seen an assistant coach getting so many hugs before a game was over. And they had it, they had it locked up after a return for a touchdown to make it 31-21. So on the sideline, probably about a minute 30 left. Players are hugging him. Everybody's hugging Hackett. And then after the game, Robert Sala gave him the only game ball. And it's obvious the players like him. You know, he wasn't a good head coach. He was a terrible head coach. Sean Payton was a great head coach when he had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, at least at this point of the season, he's being exposed, and he can't blame it on Russell Wilson. He hadn't been bad. He's been better than he was last year, but, man, Payton's got egg on his face. He was asked afterward if he regretted saying that. He should just come out and say, of course I regret it. I wish I hadn't done it. Instead, he said, already answered. Already, yeah. Exactly. Uh, of course he regrets it because it's been the storyline to f- pair with an even worse storyline of his season. 
Um, John, starting over, that is what Bill Belichick says about where the, the Patriots are. Starting over where and with who is my follow-up to that. 34 nothing. the final score uh, to New Orleans in Foxborough this past weekend. 72-3, to the final score in consecutive weeks. Mac Jones benched in consecutive weeks. And we're seeing things we've never seen from Belichick in New England. Uh, we knew it was going to be a process of whenever they lost Brady. It's way more than that. They are among, just roster-wise, looking ahead to what they have. Uh, in the offseason and the rebuild and all this, among the the worst spots in the AFC. And they're not just um, among the worst in their division. They're looking at like a top five pick right now. Which would be really good for them that and would the fans be. if they got it. It's a good thing brought back Bill O'Brien to resurrect <laughs> Mac Jones's career in that offense because no telling how bad they would be if he hadn't done that. I loved it this week when he said, we're going to start over. And somebody said, well, what does exactly start over mean? And he goes, start over. There are and some. He said that several times. Start over. Well, some really good reporters, John. It, sorry, really good reporters, John. Tom Curran, Mike Reese, who even in the preseason said, "Yeah, the the seat's hotter than you may expect," because Robert Kraft has already mentioned, "Hey, we haven't been, we haven't won a playoff game since Brady's been here. We haven't been, we need to be the postseason." And we haven't heard from him about comment about those comments or, or what has happened on the field. I'm I'm intrigued about that in in regards to starting over. It's being pointed out um, how many coaches and executives like Nick Casario, Scott Pioli, a lot of guys that had a lot to do with Belichick having the final say, of course. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of good people have left that organization for other jobs, and uh, people are saying, "Well, it's pretty obvious." Since he has a losing record without Brady and another guy's being exposed, well, Josh McDaniels was a great offensive coordinator when he had Tom Brady, and he isn't an offensive coordinator or head coach without Brady. So I don't know what they do. I was told by people back as far back as the Combine, Kraft wasn't happy, and he wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't Belichick's last year. And I know I wouldn't want to go in there as the next coach or as they say, well, hire a personnel guy uh, to help you make decisions. No, Belichick's had total control of that organization since 2001, his second season. And uh, they're in a hole at Bill's age. I think he's 72. I'm, if, he, if he's not, he's going to be soon. And I don't know that they've got the talent or if they, if Kraft has the patience, to see if he can turn it around, but it's pretty obvious. What's has nothing's worked with Mac Jones. He's gone backward since an impressive rookie year. Don't know if they're they got the answers. Maybe another team will be, but they've got to get a new quarterback. Yep. John McClain with us. You can follow him on social at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Uh Belichick 71, John. You're right. Uh, he will be uh 72 in April. 72 in April, maybe on a new team. Do you think uh, – we'll get to that later. There's plenty of time to discuss what the future of Bill Belichick. Do you think the the Minnesota Vikings are about to have a fire sell at the trade deadline? They're one and four. Justin Jefferson just went to injured reserve, and Kirk Cousins isn't coming back after this year. What do you do if you're Minnesota? Because their upcoming games, they have Chicago, then they have San Francisco and Green Bay before October 31st deadline. Well, they can 
anybody can beat Green Bay if Love plays like he did yep. uh, on Monday night. He was terrible. And they expect him to get better, of course, because he's starting for the first time. Bears, the Bears, Justin Fields, for the last six, seven quarters, has looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Bears not going to end up with a first pick. That could be Carolina. Carolina might be able to restore some of that draft capital if they trade the rights, trade position where somebody can get Caleb Williams or Drake May. That ought to be worth a lot of picks like they gave up to get Bryce Young. But right now, Minnesota, we're assuming they're not going to spend a lot of money to bring back Kirk Cousins at his age. They might as well do it. The team loses its quarterback, but uh, trade him now and get what they can get and hope they're bad enough to get one of these quarterbacks. The problem, Jonathan, there's so many teams that need quarterbacks, and it's a it's a great draft for quarterbacks, including a deep draft for quarterbacks. But, man, there's only two they say or can't miss, Williams and May. So you better be in position to get them. And if you were somebody like Carolina and you've got multiple teams trying to get that pick, no kind of, telling what kind of draft haul you can get, after you gave so much to get up to get Bryce Young. We're seeing a lot of uh, maneuvering in the month of October. That's traditionally where you see the cream rise to the top. And as we're sitting here going into the second week of October, I bring it up because it seems like, John, all of a sudden, the Bengals getting healthier. Burrow says all the right things about his health. We'll see about the mobility. The Chargers didn't have a great start, but... Seven teams now get into the postseason, not six. Chargers and Bengals, I, we haven't mentioned them a lot through the first month of the season. I suspect we're about to in October. Well, I don't pay any attention to September and October because in my 47 years now covering the NFL, they always say it's not what you do in September and October, but November and December, now January, since they play into January. There are always players who start slow and pick it up, players who start fast and peter out, and the same with teams. So a hot team right now that people are excited over, better pump the brakes. You want to see it sustained. Now, Burrow and Burrow and the Bengals got too much talent not to at least compete for that division, which has been a huge disappointment. Mm-hmm. I thought Pittsburgh and Cleveland were capable of winning the division. I watched the Texans just stomp the Steelers. After they were coming off back-to-back victories, now the Steelers turn around and beat the Ravens, although the Ravens just gift-wrapped it they for did. them. And that division's been been a big disappointment to me. There's really, in the NFC, and I'm not putting Dallas anymore, watching them lose to Arizona and then just get obliterated by the 49ers. It's San Francisco and Philadelphia in the NFC. Nobody from the South Nobody uh, from the North, and I don't see any team other than the 49ers in the West. Everybody's bunched behind them. And then if you look at the AFC, I think right now, I thought Buffalo this time last week, and then they get beat by Jacksonville, who I saw get wiped out by the Texans in Jacksonville. So I think the Chiefs, and they're not great, but they're still the best team, and you think they'll get better over time. But uh, to me, there's – one great team, but Philadelphia and Kansas City close behind. And maybe, just maybe, Detroit can sustain what they started building on last year because they're fun to watch and they're 
four and one. Yeah, they can. They're getting stops on defense. They can run the football. They're making the right calls uh, with uh, the, the quarterback. Goff is keeping. Maybe more importantly, he's spinning it, but he's keeping them out of the wrong play more times than not. And they have a coach of the year candidate right now going into the second quarter of the season. I, I think Detroit's legit. Miami, uh, Buffalo is very hit or miss. I'm with you. It's it's wide open, and it's for as stacked as the AFC is or, or was. The, the quarterback injuries at the top, Burrow to start the season, then, of course, Rodgers out with the Jets has opened up the door for some slow starts. With the case of a strong finish, it's going to be fun, John. We all thought the AFC was superior, and it may end up being yeah. superior, but the two best teams right now are in the NFC. 49ers last year, they started to build something special with Brock Purdy. Right now, he should be the leading candidate to be the MVP. And we shouldn't be talking about him being Mr. Irrelevant anymore. He is a great young quarterback, and they're taking advantage of not having to pay him much by bringing in talent around him. And that was on full display against the Cowboys. Poor old Cowboys. John, you always bring it, even on game days for your Astros, who are up 4 nothing in the second. Get back to it. We always enjoy this and enjoy week six across the NFL. Jonathan, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, as always. Yep, there's John McClain, the great John McClain. SportsRadio610.com is where you can check out the podcasts with him and read his great work. Joins us weekly here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Coming up, NFL overreactions. We hit the AFC yesterday. Davey joins me when we come back, and we'll dive into the NFC. And New Orleans, shellacking New England, the Saints have to be in this list of overreactions, don't they? We'll discuss them and much more next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Our thanks to the uh, great guests today on the show, Trey Wallace, Christian Hackenberg, and John McClain for joining us. Hot Mike with Hutton with Row across the Outkick Network. Coming up uh, in about 40 minutes from right now, Jim Nagy will join us. He's the ex executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. We'll get his take on the top scouting evaluations 
for the college football season going into the NFL draft and the impact players. And really, this is the time of year where he's actually sending out, he and his 18-some-odd, 20, 25 scouts for the Senior Bowl. They're going around to some top games now because conference play is really heated up. And uh, we'll get his take on the Heisman race and, and much more. Plus, Davey, whenever he joins us, I'm going to get into the discussion or the the critical the, the 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 media criticism continues for Brock Purdy, and it's like a it's not a it's not like oh he's he sucks at this he's really bad it's like it's just a slight ever just a very minuscule slight every time Purdy is brought up in the discussion. I'm tired of it. I'm going to see if he agrees with me because. Purdy at 10-0 and 0 now as the starter in the regular season speaks for itself. And McLean mentioned it in the last segment. I didn't know he was going to mention the MVP race as uh, Purdy being the favorite. But he's got Brock Purdy as the most valuable player in the NFL currently. I don't know if I would go that far yet. But it's, it's closer to that than it is Brock Purdy is a feature within a great system because if that's the case, if it were that easy to just pluck and play, I present to you Trey Lance. That's fair. I, I can't go down the road of him being a I present MVP. to you Sam Darnold. Again, he's doing a great job. The 10-0 record speaks for itself. But it's like I, I usually play that game of the MVP. Not saying it's, it's plug and place, but it's, all right, let's take some of these guys off other rosters, move them in there. Can I still see them being an above average to an elite player in those systems. And and right now, I I don't think if you were to say, let's let's take, I think based off the numbers, I, I can double check, but I'm pretty sure Tua and Patrick Mahomes are the leading candidates in the clubhouse to win MVP right yeah. now. Yep. I don't think if you were to put Brock Purdy on the Chiefs, he's doing what he's doing. Sure. I don't think if you – I could argue just based off the speed alone for the Dolphins, he might be able to put up some really good stats with that Dolphins offense. But, again, that's when it comes back to, you know, just having those coaches in place. Mike McDaniel comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And what they're able to do where they did strike out on Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, I get. But it's not a just, okay, it's easy to find this guy, let's go. It's just can you have that guy that's making those quick reads, understands the offense, and clearly he does get that. Yeah, and but you know I haven't seen, I haven't. I mean, just making the counter to this just early, early with the Mahomes. Mahomes is the MVP. You know, he's the guy. Um, there's only a, a very a, two or three, four quarterbacks like that where you can move around and they can make a bad team good or a good team great. Well, and I mean, I can't. But but uh, Brock Purdy hasn't been outplayed by Zach Wilson this season. Patrick Mahomes was. I will say I made that comparison yesterday from Purdy to early days of Tom Brady in Tampa, or sorry, in New England. I don't yeah. think Tom Brady deserved an MVP his first ten years in New England. Well, the the MVP though, like it is a, it's a quarterback type driven. It is it's the vote, but Purdy's going to as long as they keep it's it hurts as well because I think he'll pick up the the Eagles are not playing their best and they continue to win. Uh, that's in part due to what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts. That will pick up. 
And then uh, the, the other quarterback that I think will start to pick up some traction as long as they keep winning and they're in a division where they should is Jared Goff, believe it or not. They're going to get more and more attention in Detroit. That, that will be the next uh, media-concocted storyline is can Jared Goff win MVP uh, th- this season? Um, going through uh, some of the other NFL headlines today, uh, you, James Conner placed on injured reserve. Um, he's headed to IR. Justin Jefferson is the big storyline from earlier. Hamstring injury. He's on IR with the chance to return. Uh, so some maybe some big fantasy uh, football reactions uh, for, for those on the waiver wire this week. His waiver day. It is. Uh, Pete Carroll has uh, defended Jamal Adams and the, the sideline outburst where he was not disciplined by the NFL. And, in fact, he did have a concussion. For those who maybe missed it or, or unfamiliar, uh, Adams went after the independent neurologist on the sideline, the, the, the doctor that is there specifically for head injuries and was taking him out of the game after he took a knee to the helmet. And Adams explained in his apology about all this that he just wasn't in the right headspace because he wasn't himself. He had a concussion. I, I said at the time, and I will continue to say, this happens more often than you would think. And it happened a lot more often, excuse me, in, in, the, um, in the past where there wasn't a protocol in place, including last year, until around this time last year, the protocol was you could be evaluated, you could be cited from the top of one of the independent evaluators in the booth, in the box. They could call down, you'd be pulled over to the sideline, you'd go into the blue tent. Normally that's where the argument happens, is in the blue tent or in the locker room. And then you come back out after stating your case, and you're you're good. You just either had a stinger, or you know, had the cobwebs, or knocked out a bit. You know, you you you're, you're fuzzy, but you're not concussed. There are ways through the okay. Let's go through the alphabet backwards, or let's go through certain uh, questions that we asked you in the preseason that are this concussion test now to see if you have the answers. Guys would memorize certain answers, and if you if you're still pissed off about it, that's when the argument ensued. This policy worked where you're out, you've, we've cited you as having a, a head injury or you're unstable, you're not going back in the game regardless of what argument you're going to make, regardless of how heated you are. And I, I said last week, and I maintain, the NFL should be happy with this result because it was public, it's on display. You see Jamal Adams, one of the top players at his position in the league, making a case to go back in the game after suffering a concussion. And guess what? The policy didn't allow him to do it, even if he was making a great case for himself. End of story. The NFL actually should point to this as, this is where we got it right. Jamal Adams is doing something that every player, for the most part, has done, especially those that have come and gone that are suffering from brain issues right now. They lobby to go back in the game. And at least more and more players are either, number one, they are citing concussion issues or symptoms uh, on their own, which is up. More and more players are doing that on their own now. That is a good thing. And now there's a policy in place to where whatever happens on the sideline, whatever star player is upset about the independent doctor, it does not matter There's no blue tint to go and hide and then come out with some smelling sauce and say, oh, it was just a stinger for the shoulder. I'm totally fine with him saying he wasn't himself. 
I get that type of reaction because that type of reaction happens a lot across the National Football League, and they're trying to tamp down on it. I would also add to this, and this is like what I initially thought of whenever I saw this interaction take place with Adams, was he only played 15 snaps in 2022. So he had been out an entire year just trying to get back on the gridiron, and then nine plays into his first start in 2023, he has right. the concussion. So I just I see all that frustration boiling up, and obviously it came to the point where we actually saw that. Uh, I don't want to necessarily call it an altercation, but the argument ensued. Well, yeah, he's heated, but but so he had, but he did have a concussion. He was yes. in concussion protocol. Seattle had a week off, so he's going to play this coming week. He'll clear concussion protocol most likely uh, for the Cincinnati matchup on Sunday. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's. I'm saying it's an added element to the story as far yeah, as oh, why I see sure. him actually going off, even if it is. Just simply, like, if that wasn't a part of it and he still gets frustrated because of the concussion, like, I get that. But I'm just seeing, like, man, it's been a year off. This guy's just trying to battle back from injury where he's last several years. It's not gone well for him on that front. And then he's finally out there. And then this is something where he still feels, I'm not injured. I can go back out there and play. Yeah, and a lot of guys feel that way. A lot of guys now, uh, I'm I'm starting to notice, and I'm not, I was on the sideline. I'm not down there hearing the conversations anymore. Um but you'll see it on the TV broadcast now. Guys yep. will get knocked down, and they'll start pointing at their shoulder if they're slow to get up. They'll start holding their shoulder on purpose because they're trying not to get flagged from down. Because the, the, the eye in the sky is only looking for wobbly, uh, unstable players who had a, a, a hit to the head. In this case, he did. He took a knee to the helmet and then went straight into concussion protocol. Davey, uh, our protocol each and every week for the NFL is uh, overreaction. We hit the AFC yesterday. Let's go NFC today, and where are we starting? So for this edition of NFL overreaction, we're going down to the NFC South. And right now, Hutton, the New Orleans Saints are going to win that division. Yeah, I think so. I think they are. Um, their defense is is good. Uh they dominated New England. They dominated the Titans in week one. Um, and while the storyline from week five is, well, we're seeing New England hit rock bottom, the Saints offense is starting to pick things up after showing some duds. They have the talent on offense. They certainly have the quarterback that can be consistent. And their quarterback, who has an injured shoulder, Look better this week. Alvin Kamara is back. He's, what, nearly 100 yards from scrimmage. That's a team that's going to win the South, even though I think it will be a a division that's going to look a little battered and bruised because I do think you'll see Atlanta get a game or two. Same for Tampa. I guess if you had to put money on who finishes second, where are you going there? Probably Tampa. Um, and I say that only because I'm looking – I'm trying to think of the – the head-to-head matchups, Tampa's already won in New Orleans. so Decisively. Yes. So the Bucks to me, are number two. But I, I think as the – I just think the strength of the roster will show itself for New Orleans as the season progresses. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of Tampa, they actually go on the road to take on yeah. the Lions this week. And that leads me to my next conversation piece, which is Dan Campbell is the NFL Coach of the Year. Right now, I think so. I think so. It's either him or Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> with all the discussion. Um, yeah, I mean, look, they, they, he has a team right now that has won 
12 games in their last 15, and they've done it on the road as well this year at Arrowhead to begin, which is tough on that Thursday night. At Arrowhead, and then they went to, to Green Bay and won at Lambeau. Um, yeah, I think the Lions, they have right now the coach of the year in Dan Campbell because they were the they were the talk of the offseason. And so far, again, five weeks in, they're backing it up. Might have misspoke. That game's actually going to be in Tampa. But sticking with the NFC North and the Lions, the NFC North will only have one team make the playoffs. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think we'll see Green, Green Bay, while... I think they have to, they're happy. I, I'm pleased with what I've seen from Jordan Love. I know last night the three interception performance, not good. It did not help me out at all. But they, yeah, they, or Chad, I think Chad started him too. I, I can't get over the fact that they are so, so consistently bad with their offense and slow starts. They're constantly scoring three or seven points in the first half. That's not going to spell a, a, a wild card burst for them come December. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, because I'm, I'm kind of having that debate with... Plus, Aaron Jones continues to be an issue. Yeah, can't, can't get healthy. Um, I, I just don't see the NFC South getting multiple teams in, but you would think just based off the situation of the NFC and with three wild card spots available, typically we've seen the NFC North get multiple teams in, but I, I'm kind of with you right now. I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust think the, so. the Packers... It could, mean, it could mean Tampa could get a wild card spot. I mean, at this point, it's trending that that's more likely the option than any of these other NFC North teams because with Jefferson on IR, we know what the Chicago Bears are. They're not playoff contenders by any stretch no. of the imagination. You just can't trust Green Bay at the moment. And, I mean, this is what the commanders have had their chances, man. They just lost to Chicago. And commanders could be that third team out of the East. You know, you have three teams again that were playoff contenders. No, not if you're losing the Chicago Bears this year. Who do we have as contenders for the college football playoff? We'll weigh in on how we would update that right now across the college football slate next. Yeah.